0: Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, August 19th, 2022. And let's just go right to mar lago The continuing saga of the deep state trying to get Donald Trump. First it was Russia, then it was the two impeachments, all the leaks, and they cannot beat Trump. And they don't want him to run again. And they don't see that we see this. This is the deep state. This is what we're fighting. The administrative state against democracy. Right now, the administrative state through the Department of Justice, Joe Biden, and the FBI are telling us, you don't count. We will pick and choose who becomes president. Not you, us. And this is what's going on right now. It's a battle between the administrative state and the American citizen. It's about democracy. Is a bureaucracy going to run this country, or is it you and me? And that's what we're talking about here. So let me just give a recap of what's gone on. Uh, apparently the the press wants to uh, have the affidavit opened up for the public. And as, as I said before, this is just going to boil down to an argument between the attorneys from the deep state. And the attorneys from Donald Trump saying, well, what's classified, what's not classified? Who has the authority to make these decisions? And the deep state is saying, well, it's us. We run this country. And Trump and the American people are saying, no, it's the American people that run this country. So the press wants to know what the affidavit says. Now, what the affidavit said is the pretext for them going in. And what the affidavit should say is that I so-and-so saw XYZ hide boxes that were classified in the basement of Mar-a-Lago. I'm oversimplifying it. And the FBI and the Department of Justice does not want the American people to see that affidavit. Now, they're, they're hiding behind the fact that, oh, this will undermine the investigation. We want to protect the person, because if you read it, you're going to find out who it is. Well, we want to see this. The American people want to see this affidavit. We want to see if it's another uh, more BS, like we saw with the FISA court, with the Gate, with Crossfire Hurricane, just to get Donald Trump, and by extension, you and me. So again, they went to court on Thursday, and the judge, who, believe me, you me, is no friend of Trump, he says, well, I'll entertain the idea of releasing the affidavit, although it should be redacted. And now they're going back and forth with the legal process to see what should be redacted from the affidavit. And don't be surprised if the affidavit is so redacted that you can't make heads or tails of it. And as I said in my last episode, this is what's going to happen. Anything that's going to be released is just so redacted that, well, anybody would not make heads or tails of it. Meanwhile, the deep state is going to leak all this stuff to the press saying, oh, see, it's all about nuclear weapons. It's the Espionage Act. Trump's a bad guy. Trump's headed to jail. And this is this is their game plan. Their game plan is to slow walk this entire thing in the court system, meanwhile leaking everything to the press on how bad Donald Trump is and what Tr- Donald Trump may have done. Because that's all they got. They shot themselves in the foot here. And there's no way out for them. The only way out for them is to drag this thing on or throw a Hail Mary hold their breath and indict him and see what happens, which is a possibility over this. I've I've already said that Merrick Garland doesn't have the guts to indict Trump over the J-6 hearings. However, they may do so in this. They'll lose. But again, all they want is Trump not to run. And they figure if they indict Trump, he'll have this hanging over himself over the next few years because their intention is to drag this entire... Process out as long as they can. And we know what, and again, we know what their game plan is just to drag this out and leak fake information to the press about how bad Donald Trump is and how Donald Trump violated this act, this law, and he could be headed for the jail. And Donald Trump fights back, and eventually Donald Trump will win, and we will win. But let me, and here's the interesting thing that came out today. It was an article by Paul Sperry, and I picked it up in the New York Post today, and it's very, very insightful. And the title of it says, Inside the Controversial FBI Unit Behind the Trump Raid. And it says here, the FBI division overseeing the investigation of former President Donald Trump's handling of classified material at his Mar-a-Lago residence is also a focus of special counsel John Durham's investigation of the Bureau's alleged abuses of power and political bias during its year-long Russiagate probe of Trump. Although the former head of Crossfire Hurricane, Peter Strzok, remember him? Loverboy? Was fired after the disclosure of his vitriolic anti-Trump tweets So Peter Strzok was fired after the disclosure of his vitriolic anti-Trump tweets. Several members of his team remain working in the counterintelligence unit, the sources said, even though they are under active investigation by both John Durham and the Bureau's disciplinary arm, the Office of Professional Integrity. The FBI declined to respond to questions about any role they may be taking in the Morrill Lago case. In addition, a key member of the Crossfire team, Supervisory Intelligence Analyst Brian Otten, has continued to be involved in politically sensitive investigations, including the ongoing probe of potentially incriminating content found on the abandoned laptop of of President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, according to recent correspondence between the Senate Judiciary Committee and FBI Director Christopher Wray. Imagine that. You've got a unit that is being investigated by John Durham over this whole Crossfire Hurricane fiasco. I remember what Crossfire Hurricane was. It was all about that FBI investigation, the fake FBI investigation that tried its darndest to link Russia to Donald Trump. And we know where that ended. So now we got the same cast of characters, or some of the cast of characters of characters involved with this raid of Donald Trump's home. Go figure that one. How arrogant is that? How stupid is that? Arrogant and stupid is not a way to go through life. And I find it so interesting, so ironic that Merrick Garland comes out. This is a narrow investigation. This is a very, very narrow uh, search warrant. Really? So why'd they take Trump's passport? So why did they likely go through the First Lady's panty draws? That's narrow. It's just an abuse of power. And enjoy it while you can because your day is coming. Because once the Republicans get back into office, the FBI is going to be investigated. The Department of Justice is going to be investigated over this thing. And these two departments have to be reimagined. Let's use the Democratic word, reimagined. But this entire administrative state that we have in Washington has to be changed. Every department, up and down, has to be changed. It's too big. It's too powerful. They make up the rules. They're undemocratic. And that's how they want it. And one thing you have to understand about government, particularly federal government, federal government, any government unit left unchecked will constantly grow and grow and grow. That's just the nature of these bureaucracies, these government bureaucracies. Their whole aim is just to gain more power and expand. And they've been allowed to do so for a number of years, but it has just exploded over the past 10, 15, 20 years. And it's got to stop. And here's the perfect example. The perfect example is this so-called Inflation Reduction Reduction Act, which has 87,000 IRS agents, armed. And there was an advertisement, I I guess maybe in the Federal Register or one of the advertising units for jobs, governmentjob.com, who knows. But they're advertising for these positions. And these positions is, you know, willingness to, I think, get in deadly encounters with the public. Now, they quickly changed the, the job description. And I guess they got uh, blowback from the public because it was too direct and too honest, believe it or not. But my point is, is that these bureaucratic agencies will continue to expand. And the IRS is a perfect example. They have their own police force. Now, I have a question. Why would the IRS need their own police force? What justification does the IRS need to have their police force? And I saw some, you know some puff pieces on the IRS police force and how some of them have shootouts with the, you know, drug dealers and how they work against drug dealers and, and uh, you know, all these nefarious people. My question is, why are you even involved with that? Why should the IRS even be involved with something like that? Aren't there other law enforcement agencies? But no. With these ever-expanding bureaucracies, they continue to expand and expand their power. And the IRS wants to expand their power. They want to have their own police force because it gives them more power. And this is what bureaucracies are all about. And this is why left unchecked, and again, this is why the Democrats back this big, big centralized bureaucracy. Because ultimately, left unchecked will wind up with the equivalent of a communist country. Because it will have this massive bureaucracy with all their rules and regulations, police forces that ultimately take away the rights of the individual. And then you take a step back. Well, I've got this massive bureaucracy and I've got communism. What's the difference? And that's what they want. They may not call it communism, but At the end of the day, a bureaucracy left unchecked will get you a system that's the equivalent of a communist society. And that's why the Democrats back big centralized governments. Now, one thing I just want to touch base on, and I'm going to play you a clip from uh, Maggie Haberman, and I think she's a reporter for the New York Times, and And I get a kick out of this. I'm going to play the clip. It's all about speculation surrounding the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And I just find it ironic. I get a chuckle out of how how these reporters and how the mainstream media, how the Democrats, they're allowed to create their own conspiracy theories. But they don't call it that. They call it speculation. However, you or I do this, we're, we're conspiracy theorists. But let's go to this clip, and then we'll discuss, because what Maggie Haberman is throwing out there is nothing more than conspiracy theories. So let's go to the clip again, and we'll
1: discuss. ...ability that... This may be more about the president's former president's personality than anything else. It could be, and he was certainly known as somebody who liked to show things off. He liked to show off the accoutrements of being president. Tchotchkes, you Tch- had to call them Tch- when heard. he was when he was a businessman. He had tchotchkes in the in some corner of his office. Shaquille O'Neal's giant shoe. He would show off a lot to visitors, and it was always the same tour. Um, he liked showing off these Kim Jong Un letters when he was president. People would come to the Oval wow. Office. Reporters, uh, you know, visiting dignitaries—you name it—and and he would wave them around. And and we know that at least some of those were among the items that were at yeah. Mar-a-Lago. So that's one possibility. Um, we know that he was telling advisors when he was resisting giving these things back. You know, they're mine. It's mine, and so forth. So that's always one possibility. Uh, the other is that he, you know, sees and, well. One other is that he sees some advantage, and whether that is something that makes him. Seem aggrandized or bigger, or whether it's that he could see it as leverage of some kind. I, you know, you have to consider that possibility. There's a lot we still don't know. Um, but Trump, throughout his presidency, acted as if there was no difference between himself and the government and his company. It was all one big brand.
0: Oh boy, I took it back, conspiracy theory. So, according to he- Haberman, there's no difference between Trump, the government, and his company, they're all one. Well, where's your evidence of that? Again, it's just a conspiracy theory. But Haberman can say it. It's just speculation because Haberman said it. But Alex Jones, he, he gets sued for $43 million because of what he said. And again, I'm not defending Alex Jones. And he's not right all the time. But it's okay to Haberman and the mainstream media to make all these accusations against Trump and people aligned with Trump. And somebody like Jones gets uh, put through the ringer in the law system. It's just strange. And again, I'm not sticking up for Alex Jones. He He can stick up for himself. And he does it quite well. But Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist. And Haberman is not. Yeah, go figure. I can't find the difference between them. And it's because they hate you and they hate me. And they hate Trump. I'm just going to go to a clip. It's from James Carville. Remember James Carville, the raging Cajun, Bill Clinton's former advisor? Like essentially he called us stupid. And let me just go to the clip. And this is why Maggie Haberman's not a conspiracy theorist. Because they say so. So let's go to the clip and then we'll discuss. The problem the Republican Party has is they got really stupid people that vote in their primaries. And when you have that, you're going to get in really stupid people demand to have really stupid leaders. And that's where the Republican Party is now. in Well, I don't feel stupid. And I've gone to some of the best schools in the world. When it meant something. Quite frankly, it doesn't mean anything today. But again, I don't feel stupid. You shouldn't feel stupid. But the Eurasian Cajun, you are. And it's just the disdain that these people and the arrogance that these people have. It's ultimately undermining them. Because we're the smart people. I am, you are, not them. They're just controlling the power right now. But they're losing it and they know that they're losing it. And with that said, I'm going to switch to another clip from uh, Sam Harris. Sam Harris is some left-wing author. And he he said the unspoken word about Hunter Biden, the laptop Donald Trump. And he's so arrogant and so self-anointedly smart that it's okay when he says it. It's okay that... The left cheated because he said so. So let's go to the clip and then we'll discuss. Now, that's not – that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account. Like that, that's a, just a conspiracy – that's a left-wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely it was. Absolutely, right? But I think it was warranted. So it was okay with him to keep the people from knowing the truth about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden prior to the election. It was okay to shut any media access to any information regarding Hunter Biden's laptop, according to Sam Harris in the left. And that's okay, because he said so. In his mind, Trump is worse than Hunter Biden's laptop. And he went on to say that to some cockamamie story about uh, trump university and the people that sued trump university because they weren't happy with the the results that they got from the university was worse than uh, the son of a candidate for the united states having relationships with china and the possible link between kickbacks between his hunter biden and joe biden really and you call yourself smart but it's not about that. It's about he thinks he has the power to dictate what's right and what's wrong. And this is why they're going to lose. And another reason they're going to lose is they do not have God on their side. We do. And I just want to direct you to an op-ed piece from the Atlantic magazine, which is a, a far-left magazine. It's, it's fair to call it a far-left magazine. And the author is Dan Penetton, a self-described historian. And the title of his article, or his opinion piece, is How the Rosary Became an Extremist Symbol. And it featured a rosary that had bullet holes in place of beads and argued that the Catholic sacramental had become a tool of violent militants. And to quote him, militia culture, a fetishism of Western civilization and masculinist anxieties have become mainstays of the far-right in the U.S., and the radical traditional Catholics have now taken up residence in this company, he wrote. So now if you're Catholic, according to Pentaton, you're a radical. You're an extremist. You're anti-democratic. Really. You have a lot of nerve. And again, this is what these secularists want. Religion to the administrative state, to the Democratic Party, to the deep state, is a danger. Just like religion is a danger to communists. So they have to attack. So this guy, Panaton, is one of their minions. They're out there attacking religions, attacking Catholics. Because we are not, uh, now a threat to the administrative state. Well, Mr. Pentaton, if you're such a great historian, why are you just focusing on today's Christian that wants to get active politically? What did you have to say about liberation theology? And let me tell you a little bit about liberation theology. When I was going to college, it was was a big thing. And uh, what liberation theology is. In a nutshell, liberation theology was or still is. It's a philosophy founded in the belief that economic, social, and political oppression are sins that can be eradicated only when the oppressed seize control of their own destiny, even if it means with a gun. Now, this was taken up by Jesuits a lot, particularly in Central America in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s. And the Jesuits in several... Uh, Central America, I think it was El Salvador, became leaders of communist militia groups. So what do you have to say about that, Penitent? What is your opinion on liberation theology? You're so quick to attack current-day Catholics because they want to take their country back in the United States, but you're silent on liberation theology? Really? What kind of historian are you? We know what you are. You're just a tool of the deep state. And you know who agrees with this guy is the former CIA director, Michael Hayden. And I just want to direct you to a response that Michael Hayden had to a British journalist. Edward Luce had tweeted the following comment. And it says, and Luce says, I've covered extremism and violent idol ideologies around the world over my career and have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republican Party. Nothing close. Now, this is a guy that's covered the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and Michael Hayden chimes in with his tweet. He says, I agree. And I was the CIA director. So the former ghoul, and remember what Hayden did. Hayden was one of those guys that signed that document that said the Hunter laptop was likely Russian propaganda or Russian pr- misinformation. So he's at it again. He's afraid. But we're not afraid. But MAGA had a good week. Liz Cheney lost in her primary. To Harriet Hagman. Harriet Hageman's not afraid. And with that said, let me just go to a clip. A really, really good clip of a Hageman speech. And this kind of rolls everything up of what makes the deep state afraid of us. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss.
2: We're fed up with the attacks on our fossil fuel and energy industries. We're fed up with an open border. We're fed up... With human trafficking, we're fed up with Fentanyl flooding our country, and we're fed up with illegal immigration. We're fed up with critical race theory. We're fed up with boys competing in girls' sports. We're fed up with the liberal media, Twitter, Facebook, Google, and YouTube for blocking conservative speech. We're fed up with our government and universities censoring conservative thought, canceling debate, and rewriting history. We're fed up. With the corruption in the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the CIA, the NSA, and the We're fed up with mask mandates, vaccine mandates, the CDC, the NIH, the WHO, and the misinformation campaign surrounding COVID 19. And we're fed up with Anthony Fauci, with the politicians and the elitists in D.C. who are getting rich while the middle class falls further behind every year. We're fed up with Joe Biden, with Nancy Pelosi, fed up with the January 6th Commission and those people who think that they can gaslight us. And, uh, everyone on notice as of November 8th.
0: Now, remember, as I said in my last episode, um, we may not get help from rhinos. And what I'm talking about, the rhinos are the people that you see like a Mitch McConnell. Now, Mitch McConnell came out on Fox either yesterday or uh, today and said that, well, we've got to damp down our anticipation of winning the Senate. It may be much closer. And he went on to say that, well, it's because of the quality of the candidates. Well, who are you talking about, Mitch? Now, you have to understand about Mitch McConnell. Is He, he, he kind of likes things the way they are. You know, he, he really does. He's got a nice situation, and he will lose power if MAGA takes over the Senate because they're going to toss him out as the leader. So he's faced with keeping things the same or losing his position as a leader. So right now he's a minority leader, and he'd rather be a minority leader than to get kicked out With a MAGA majority in the Senate. So he's likely going to be no help to us. And a lot of the. The the Rhino groups. The RNC in particular. And as I said. You have to understand. They're only one vote. They control money. And they get on TV. But they only have one vote. And you only have one vote. And there are more of us than them. So. You gotta realize you gotta get out and vote. You gotta get your friends to get out and vote, because we may not get help from the Rhinos, and we have to pick up that vote somewhere else. Now, I think that we will, but you still have to get out to vote. Now, in particular, I wanna talk about Pennsylvania. Now, I'm looking at some polls, and right now these polls are too early, and I don't believe the polls anyway. But they have Dr. Oz down, I think, you know, by double digits to Fetterman, which I just find startling. And this is one of the cases where the rhinos have to come out and vote for Dr. Oz. Lick your wounds, you're lost. But if you want the Republicans to take over the Senate, you got to come out and work for Oz. Because when you think about it, have you seen Fetterman? The guy had a stroke. You don't know what his health is like. He looks like a gargoyle. A giant gargoyle. He's lived off of his parents until he was about 50 years old. Do you really think that guy has a sense of what it's like to live in this country? You've been living off of your family for 50 years of your life. And I'm going to trust this guy with the wisdom to make policy? And he's a Bernie Sanders acolyte. So you really have to take a look at what you're putting into office if you don't vote for Dr. Oz. He's probably an emotional child if he's living off of his family since he's 50, uh, until he's 50 years old. He's probably still an emotional child. I've heard stories about the town, the, the the town where he was a mayor. And he left it in and I forget the name of it. I wish I, knew, I remembered the name of it. But he was a mayor in a town. And the town is worse than it was than before he became mayor. So you got to get out there. So the rhinos have to get out there. Maga has to get out there. And you got to support Dr. Rice. He's not perfect but he's better than the alternative. So just remember that, particularly in Pennsylvania. It's such a fine state. Don't ruin it with a Fetterman. Okay, let me touch upon a couple of uh, articles before we move on to uh, business. And the first article I just wanted to touch base on is Henry Kissinger, the globalist. Henry Kissinger came out the other day and said that we are on the edge of war with Russia and China and to quote him we are on the edge of war with russia and china on issues which we partly created without any concept of how this is going to end or what it's supposed to lead to now it was several episodes ago uh, i had mentioned that uh, kissinger had come out and said that ukraine's got to settle you ukraine has to have a negotiated settlement with uh, with russia or this thing is going to get really bad and so In today's article, and this is taken from the Wall Street Journal, he says, Kissinger puts this down to a lack of direction and purpose and too much emotion on behalf of American statesmen. I think that the current period has a great trouble defining a direction. It's very responsive to the emotion of the moment. And this is the problem when you have childlike people in office. It'll simply be the emotional response not a rational response. And what I think he's talking about is this irrational perception that Ukraine can win this war when it can't. And all this money, I think it's over 50 million, I'm sorry, I think it's over 50 billion dollars right now that we're sending to Ukraine. is only getting Ukrainians killed. And it's only delaying the inevitable because Russia's just going to grind this country down. Yeah, I know some people don't like to hear it, but that's... That's the adult decision. The childlike decision is to keep on giving Ukraine money. Say, yeah, here, get your people killed. You, you can do it. You can do it. It's just absolutely bizarre. And I think uh, Kissinger's comments coincide with Chinese troops going into Russia for joint war games. So, you know, that's very telling. And that's something to keep an eye on. Because we're getting the signal here that things are not going to go well with Russia and with China, when all this could have been avoided. Now, with that said, I want to turn to a article from Stars and Stripes, and it's about Ukraine President Zelensky. And look, as I've been saying since I started this Park podcast, that, or at least since the war started over there, that uh, time is not going to be good to Zelensky. Once his people find out what he has done and what he is doing, I I just don't think that he's going to be well-received by the Ukrainian people in the future. So let me just read this article here. And it's, uh, like I said, from Stars and Stripes. And the headline says, Ukraine Zelensky faces unprecedented criticism over war warnings. And it says here, until this week, Ukrainians seem to see President Zelensky as beyond reproach, a national hero who stayed in Kiev despite the risk to his personal safety, to lead his country against invading Russian troops. Comments he made to the Washington Post justifying his decision not to share with Ukrainians details of repeated U.S. warnings that Russia planned to invade have punctured this bubble, triggering a cascade of public criticism unprecedented since the war began. In the interview with the Post. Zelensky cited his fears that Ukrainians would panic, flee the country, and trigger economic collapse as the reason he chose not to share the stark warnings passed on by the U.S. officials regarding Russia's plans. Many Ukrainians took exception to the implication that Zelensky had prioritized the health of the economy over their well-being, suggesting that many lives might have been saved have the government Better prepared the population for war. The editor in chief of the Ukrainian Pravda, a Ukrainian news site, posted on Facebook that he was personally offended by Zelensky's explanation, saying it called into question the intelligence of Ukrainians. She wouldn't have fled, she said, and the potential $7 billion a month cost to the economy has to be weighed against the lives lost. The swift capture of Russia, of parts of southern Ukraine, and the fear and intimidation of civilians who unexpectedly found themselves under Russian occupation. So this is very telling. If this is making the news now, you know that there's a strong sentiment now that Ukraine's got to settle. So we shall see. Now this week, this, week, this Trump Organization CFO... Pled guilty to tax violations, and his own. His name is Alan White, uh, Alan Weiselberg, and this had nothing to do with Trump. It had nothing to do with the Trump Corporation. It had to do with Weiselberg, and w- what Weiselberg did, and he likely did this without Trump knowing or anybody in the corporation knowing, but he had used. Trump Corporation apartments for his own personal use, Trump Corporation vehicles for his own personal use. I think he also had the Trump Corporation pay tuition for his grandkids without reporting this to the IRS. Now, you can, you can use a vehicle for your own personal use, a corporate vehicle for your own personal use. You can use a corporate apartment for your own personal use. But you have to report it as income on your W two. As you know, as people, you know, every year, uh, people, salary people get, and people on payroll get a W two. And most of the time, people have their earnings that are part of their W two. But there are some cases where there are additional wages uh, that are reported on your W two. And th- this is personal use of a, a corporate car and personal use of. A corporate apartment. And you have to pay taxes on that. So if you're living in a corporate-owned apartment and say that, uh, that corporate-owned apartment is costing you $5,000 a month or is costing the corporation $5,000 a month, well, that's $5,000 of income you have to report. And that's what Weiselberg didn't do. And I'm sure that he did the same thing with his car. He may testify if they go further against the Trump corporation on this. So we shall see on this thing. I, I feel sorry for Weiselberg on this, but, you know, this is, this is a glaring problem. He, and that uh, if there's anybody that should know the rules are the CFOs, and he was the CFO and he took advantage of it to his own benefit. But, you know, there's been no decision on the Trump organization on this. And, and again, Donald Trump personally is not involved with this. It's just his organization. So we shall see. So the CDC just announced a restructuring and let me go to this article by the Gateway Pundit. And the I say, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky admits major COVID-19 mistakes, plans to restructure the agency, calling it a reset. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, Director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, admitted on Wednesday that the agency would be undergoing a restructuring, calling it a reset, due to major mistakes in dealing with the pandemic. The CDC's COVID-19 guidance was found to be confusing and overpowering in a recent report, according to the New York Times. For 75 years, CDC and public health have been preparing for COVID-19, and in our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations, Director Walensky said in an email sent to the agency's 11,000-person staff. My goal is a new public health action oriented culture at the CDC that emphasizes accountability, collaboration, communication, and timeliness, she added. The CDC restructuring follows two reviews conducted in recent months, one by Health Resources and Services Administration official Jim McRae into the CDC's pandemic response and another by CDC's Chief of Staff Sherry Berger into agency operations, the outlet reported. Now, All this is that they're trying to get ahead of the curve because they know what's coming. They know that once the Republicans take over, there's going to be a massive investigation into the CDC. So there are two things that they're trying to accomplish here, and I'm talking about the administrative state. Now, what they're going to try to do with this is once the Republicans come in and they uh, start pushing for an investigation in the CDC... Uh, they're going to reach out to their political operatives and try to push back on this, saying, hey, wait a second, we don't want an investigation. You don't need an investigation. We're already restructuring the CDC. So they'll try to fend off a Republican investigation by using their own reimagining. The second thing they're going to do is they're going to use this restructuring as a countermeasure to the Republicans' investigation. And that's a game that a lot of these politicians play and these organizations play. They'll set up an alternate committee to counter anything that the Republicans are going to say. So say the uh, Republicans come out and say, oh, you know, the CDC did this. They they misled people about this. And then this organization that's conducting the reimagining is going to say, well, we don't have that. So it's just going to be a countermeasure to the uh, eventual Republican investigation. So that's why they're doing this. They're not doing this because they want a better CDC for you and me. They're doing this to protect themselves. And this is what the deep state is all about. It's all about protecting themselves. God forbid if elected officials had anything to do with how the CDC is run. But guess what? That's what the Constitution said. So this is going to be really interesting how this is done. And finally, finally, I came across this article here. I forgot where it was. Um, It's from a website called CNS News. And I don't know if it's left wing, right wing or anything, but I just thought it was comical. And the headline says $4.1 trillion in federal tax collections were collected, which set a record. And it says here, the federal government collected a record $4.1 trillion in total taxes in the first 10 months of fiscal year 2022, October through July, according to the monthly treasury statement. That was up $503 billion, or 13.9%. So they're making a big deal about all this money we collect. Oh, my God, we got all this money. Things are great. Well, here's what's buried in the article. While it was collecting this record $4.1 trillion in taxes, the federal government was spending $4.8 trillion, resulting in a deficit, a deficit of $726 billion. You know, tell me if I'm wrong. But if you're taking in $4.1 trillion, but you're spending $4.8 trillion, why is that a good thing? As I've always said and I'm a finance guy, it's not what you take in, it's what you spend. And apparently the federal government doesn't realize this. Well, we know that the federal government doesn't realize this. What the article should have said? Federal government takes in 4.1 trillion, spends 4.8 trillion. That's what the article should have said. So, look, as long as as long as we have this mindset here in the press and with uh, certain elected officials that spending doesn't matter, things are going to get worse. Okay, let's go to the markets right now. Okay, and this is from CNBC. It says, stocks tumbled on Friday as Wall Street's summer rally faltered and rate hike fears resurfaced, leading the major averages to end the week on a sour note. The S&P slid 1.29% to close at four thousand two hundred and twenty eight percent while the Dow Jones average tumbled 292.3 points, or 0.86%, to 33,706.74. The NASDAQ composite dropped 2.01% to settle at 12,705.22. For the week, the S&P edged 1.21% lower, while the Dow slipped 0.16%. The tech-heavy NASDAQ closed out the week, down 2.62%. Year-to-date, the Dow is down 7.24%, the S&P is down 11.28%, and NASDAQ is down 18.79%. The 10-year bond was up 9 basis points to 2.974%, and just to note that the two-year yield is at 3.238%, which is a inverted yield curve, which is indicative of a recession. Gold futures are trading at $1,760.30 and silver futures are trading at $18.96.5. And right now it is 11.51 p.m. on Friday, August 19th, 2022. And Bitcoin is trading at $21,118.80. And Ethereum is trading at $1,625.61. And XRP is trading at $0.34. And thank you so much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you on Saturday. Thanks again. Bye-bye.